This is Paul Nobles from Eat to Perform, and I have a great guest today, and we're going to cover what I think sometimes in the industry often gets lost. We're basically going to go through Supplements 101. So if, if you want to know if your insulin is spiking at such and such rate when you do such and such exercise, this is probably not going to be the podcast that's going to change your life. But I think for a lot of people that is the core audience of Eat to Perform, this is going to be great information. And so today I have on Jason Rule from, from Driven Nutrition. Now let's do a little uh, base work in the beginning here. We do still have free trials going um, basically through the coronavirus pandemic. We normally don't have that kind of availability with our memberships, but um, this is, a, this is a great time, and it's kind of interesting. Jason and I will get into it in the podcast a little bit, but it feels like as we've sort of hit this 30-day mark, people are, are sort of settling in, and, and uh, I think ultimately what we're seeing is that a lot of people are signing up and realizing that, you know, um, normally they would overconsume on the weekends, but, but um, right now they're, every day is a weekend. <laughs> <laughs> and and, and uh, you know what's what's really interesting about it is that we're we're seeing a lot of people come in super fired up. Um, we also have a dedicated um, bonus code through Eat to Perform and through uh, Driven Nutrition, and that is basically ETP. Right? It's really super simple. Just the three words. You you can do it small. You can do it capitalized any way you like. Um, and it should work, and then you'll end up getting 20% off. All right, so I'm going to let Jason introduce himself because he's kind of got an interesting story of how he came into, you know, the supplement field and things of this nature. And, you know, just in case you don't know, I, don't, I know he's probably not going to brag, um, but I'll brag for him. Um, you know, I believe that they're in over like 2,000 gyms, Um real grassroots small company really the kind of thing that I love being behind and I've known Jason for quite some time and we've only recently got to merge the businesses together but but I'm really excited about working with these guys and we'll we'll talk about why once we do that but Jason why don't you give a, a short three to five minute intro about you how you came to supplements and kind of run through there Right on. I can do that. Thanks for the kind words. I appreciate that, Paul. So I would say it's probably 22, 23 years ago, I bought my first uh, retail supplement store as a franchisee. Uh, I ended up buying a second one a year later. And it was through that that, you know, I, I started uh, learning the needs of supplements and, and, and teaching our staff how how to deal with clients, uh, not so much from the standpoint of how to sell products, but how to make these products, how to find the right products to fit the goals of what the, the, the customer was needing. I knew that that was, that was really the key to having longevity in business is find what people need and then deliver it to them in a way that's affordable and, and uh, high quality and continue to do that over time. And I think it was about three years into owning stores, I started seeing a, a vicious cycle among supplement companies where they would come out, they would make a very good product, and as they started building up their brand, their distribution and their total units sold, I started seeing the quality go down. And at the same time, the price go up. Um, 
just just branding economy of scale, but then they leverage the the savings with what they get in terms of manufacturing and product, make more money on the front end as well. And that just didn't match my ethos in terms of how we approached customers, uh, the value that we tried to deliver them, you know, as we would bring these brands in and use them as, as an in-house type product brand to be able to um, build our business around, the quality started going down. And that really aggravated me. And one phone call I had actually with one of the founders, the company still exists today, I'm not going to name it, um, but we dropped him and he called out, called me and reached out saying, hey, you were one of the early guys that we worked with. Um, why are you guys dropping us? And so I told him, well, your, your sales rep called me up and these are the products, or these are the products and these are the raws that he was breaking down saying that they're better. And, you know, I, I told him flat out, like, no, they're not better. These are cheaper raws and you're making a cheaper product. You're telling me it's better and that's bullshit. Um, so excuse me, excuse my language. I don't know if this is uh, uh, G rated. But no, really, you're, I, you're fine. Trust me. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Um, you know, I, I really found that aggravating because, you know, I have to be able to translate what I'm told from these companies to the, to my customers who I lived in the towns with, you know, uh, all my nephews live in town, my brother lived in town. And so it was after that conversation that I realized, you know what? Um, I know these raws, I know the products inside and out. Uh, now, if I can find a reputable um, manufacturer that manufactures to FDA standards, to good manufacturing uh, practices and follows everything, then I could potentially make my own brand and use, use those in my stores and protect not only the quality of the products, but also the price points for the customers. And so we did that. And that, um, that's been 16 years now. Then you fast forward about eight years, where we started working with gyms, um, specifically in the CrossFit space. And I kept hearing over and over again, I don't care if I make a profit, I just want a really good product off my members. And, you know, I, that, that really spoke to me because that, um, one, that's, that you should want a good product to offer your members to the people who are supporting you. But from a business standpoint, if you're approaching it from the, from the approach of, I don't care if I make a profit, then that should be something that you spend any time on in business. So we started with inside of these gyms, working one-on-one -on -one and helping them develop um, the tools that they need to be able to educate their members on how do you take protein? What's the right product for you, for where you are in your fitness goals to where we really developed a prescriptive type approach around the supplements that we make. So Jason, can I, can I step in for a second? Because this is going to be a little inside pool, but I wanted to talk a little bit about um, what you're describing, right? Because, um, one, I think your, your thought process with gyms is dead on. Um, for one, the, um, gyms often come at you or I and, and talk like that. Well, I just need, you know, a nutrition answer, you know, for my clients, or I just need a supplement that I know and trust for my clients, and I don't really care if I make money. At the end of the day, if you're not making money, you're really not going to maintain that level of interest no matter how much you think you are, right? Because, you know, there's going to always be some level of, you know, pain as it relates to some of this. 
And just because Marge at the gym likes this product, you know, it won't matter to you unless you can sort of develop this broader and bigger idea. And I think gyms often and businesses, especially right now, as, as people are moving online, what gyms are finding out and what a, a lot of these people that are trying to move online are finding out real quick is that their passion or motivation for what they do has limits, right? Because what you're seeing right now is that if you're a gym and you have 150, as an example, clients and 30 of them have to leave because they're unemployed, um, what are the chances right now of you replacing those 30 people, right? And then right. those 30 people often represent kind of the profit or, or maybe the salaries of the owners and things of this nature. And so, you know, I, I didn't always have like a really good feel. In fact, you know, when Edenform first started, you know, we went to like a million followers so fast it would have made your head spin, right? Just because we were saying something really different. And one of the things that we were saying is that a lot of this, you know, movement towards, you know, um, demonizing supplements and things of this nature is really a negative. And we'll, we'll go into that in, in just a second here. I think the other point too also resonated with me. It's a little inside pool, so I'm not going to go deep into it. But what you're, what you see is that when you go to a supplement site or really any site, um, they're going to be sending you ads and, and images and, and, and a lot of times, you know, like as, as an example, most of our ads tend to actually be just informational, right? So there mm -hmm. are articles that might apply to someone. They wouldn't even technically be an ad, but just because someone relates to that, they go, well, I'm in that situation. And then therefore they try our free trial or they, you know, buy one of our meal plans or whatever, however they come into it. But what you, you really start to see is that businesses, as they grow, their, their Facebook ad spend goes from $1,000 to $15,000, right? And now all of a sudden, all their costs are sort of shrinking. And the only way to kind of address it is similar to what you said. So I'm going to back up for just a, another second right? And, and address what you were saying in terms of RAWs. What, what Jason's basically describing is that there's, there's not a ton of people that are manufacturing supplements. There's, there's certainly, you know, some level of regulation in place. You know, I, you can remind me after the fact, but as I recall, it's like less than five that are doing 95% of the business, right? And so as you're trying to get the raw materials, you want the highest quality raw materials for the prices that you're trying to charge. And so what ends up happening is that as your ad spend goes from 1,000 to 15,000, you, you, you have to find a way to justify those costs. And like, like Jason's saying, quality goes down, price goes up. And, and now all of a sudden that supplement that you really, really liked is a whole different ball game. Yep. Is that, is that, would you say that that's a fair assessment? Absolutely. Absolutely. So one of the reasons why Jason and I started talking and, and, and when we kind of had the conversation, I think it was probably a month before 
like the shit hit the fan with the whole coronavirus <laughs> thing. Yeah. And uh, we got a bunch of stuff, you know, I, I will admit to it that Jason sent to me um, gratis, um, but it's not going to stop me from, from being completely honest. Um, and I think you guys <laughs> will see what I'm talking about. And Jason's chuckling because he already knows what's, what's coming. Um, then a month later, there's no chicken in the grocery store. Right. And, and so people are now asking me, well, what do I do when I can't get enough protein? And people are often surprised by this statement. And you can talk a little bit about the science if you want to, but, but people often make incorrect claims as it relates to bioavailability of supplements. Here's kind of a general rule that I think will help you is that anything that you can drink is usually going to be absorbed better than anything that you have to break down. Now, that doesn't mean that you should get all of your, you know, protein from whey protein and things of that nature. Um, for myself, um, as my whey protein um, increases, my intolerance for it um, increases. So, and I think actually most people kind of rely on a scale, right? Like if you, if, if I could probably tolerate anywhere from, from 20 to 40 grams a day, usually in something and, and that's fine. You know, I think for some people their tolerance is maybe a little bit higher, but if they've started to do, let's say 150 to 180 a day, you know, you don't want to be anywhere near them. Um, because the gas is just going to be ridiculous, right? <laughs> um, and there's just all these different things that, that can come up. But, but in general, you know, you're basically looking at anything that's a liquid is going to be able to, 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 to become more available to your body, body easily, right? And so I'm a big fan of having something to supplement in most cases. For me, I usually put it in my oatmeal in the morning and, and have it with a little peanut butter. Um, and that's a way for me to get to my numbers well. I think the good majority of people that listen to this podcast that aren't tracking well, when you look at the, the, the things that we fix right out the gate, one, it's they're over-consuming fat, right? And then right. two, they're under-consuming protein. And ironically, most people, because there's, there's this big thought process related to carbohydrates, most people are actually kind of in the middle with carbohydrates, maybe slightly above. But like, to give you an example, if you were looking at Lay's potato chips, right? And you go, well, Lay's potato chips, that's a carb. Not really. Chocolate, not really a carb, right? Most, most of the calories are going to come from fat for a lot of these things. And so when you look at how it's easy to, to overconsume, you're, you're most of the time going to be looking at, um, you know, getting fats in line, making sure carbohydrates are addressed in kind of in a, a moderate way. But the biggest thing that I would say that I have a conversation most of the time when somebody's talking about fat loss. Now we're not talking about weight loss because you can lose weight right? But it's not fat because you're, you're blowing through water, you're blowing through muscle. There's a lot of different things going on there. Mm -hmm. When you are in a fat loss cycle, 
you almost certainly want to have an adequate amount of protein so that you're holding on to the amount of muscle that is breaking down in that process and then regenerating, right? So then you're more likely to lose fat um, and then hold on to that muscle. It's gonna be really difficult to gain muscle in a fat loss cycle. Um, but why don't you unpack a little bit of what I talked about and then kind of bring your slant to it and then we can kind of delve into other conversations. Right on, cool. So I'm gonna start back with you know the bioavailability. I think if you go back and um, I know paleo was all the rage six, seven years ago. Uh, it's something that I never really subscribed to. Uh, um, I've always thought if you're going to be an athlete, if you're going to try to build muscle, you need carbohydrates. Um, but the one interesting thing that I did take away from that kind of as that kind of culture developed was, you know, the idea that the, the advent of fire uh, created our ability to consume a lot more calories, specifically proteins and fats. You know, before we were eating raw meats or, you know, any types of proteins from fruits or vegetables that we could scavenge. But once we, once we were able to, to burn meat, then we could consume it at a lot higher rate. So that meant that we had to spend less time. And one of the arguments is, is that allowed our brains to develop and actually spend more time communicating and caring for our loved ones. They claim that gestation period expanded during that time, who knows, but from the standpoint of bioavailability, yes, you know, if you cook meat, it's going to break down a lot better. Your body's not going to have to work as hard to digest those tissues, that protein, to assimilate it into amino acids and proteins that your body's going to be able to use for fuel, but also to repair the, the muscle that you break down during a workout. Um, I think just advancing it a, a step further to supplements, like in a powder form, you're taking 23 grams of protein, which is you know, consistent with what you'd find in a large chicken breast, and you're breaking that down into a scoop that weighs 30 total grams. Um, so you're not dealing with the moisture. You're not dealing with the efforts of eating it or cooking it. Uh, you just put it in four or five ounces of cold water or yogurt and consume it. So I look at supplements as, as, a, as an amazing food hack, not necessarily as the end all be all for whatever fitness goal you're trying to achieve, but how do I take this supplement and implement it into a healthy lifestyle that's gonna help me achieve my goals? Yeah, and I think the other thing, too, is that, you know, one of the things that, that if I'm talking to a client and a client's saying, man, I keep going over my protein, that's the one number that I don't have any problem going over. Now, there are... High five. Yeah. There, High five. There, you would be shocked. I, I do get a lot of that. Um, that's awesome. I will, I will say this, um, that the, you know, the 160 pound guy that's that's eating 350 grams of protein mm, yeah, yeah that much. that's not helping um no. you know, i i think you know we can get into it a little bit and actually i will right now right so you you mentioned paleo and it's so funny because i mean eating forms existed for seven years seven years ago everyone was paleo right now <laughs> no one is paleo <laughs> Right. I mean, just that dramatic of a shift. So the thing that I always liked about paleo was that it's meats and veggies, right? And, mm -hmm. and ever since I was five years old, I kind of knew that meats and veggies were good for me. 
Um, and so I didn't really need this list to kind of tell me that. And I think for a lot of people, you know, it ended up being sort of this reminder um, of, hey, this is how you kind of buckle down. Um, the problem was, is that, um, you know, once you shift to chicken and kale, um, you're going to kind of hit the end of the road with that. And then if you don't know the answer or, or you just start eating less and less chicken and kale as a, as a result of trying to, you know, get to optimal body composition, you're not going to feel like working out. You're not going to have adequate amount of carbohydrates for your brain, for, you know, any kind of intensity as it relates to exercise. And so there were some good things about paleo and then, then there were some bad things. And then now, you know, all the paleo people have now moved to keto, which, you know, if we're all being a little bit honest, they were all kind of a little keto previous to this, right? Even though they all said they weren't, right? They would all put up that article with the sweet potatoes and tell you <laughs> that, oh, paleo is sweet potatoes. And then all of a sudden, like, people are eating 18 sweet potatoes a day. And I'm like, look, the difference between a sweet potato and a regular potato from a vitamins and micronutrient standpoint ain't that different. Um, and so, you know, I, I think that what happens is, is that, that we all get religion about stuff in, in sort of the wrong ways. And absolutely, if you were going through the McDonald's drive-through three times a day, it didn't matter if you moved to paleo or keto or whatever, um, you're going to see a result, right? I mean, so if you just moved as an example to, to going through the McDonald's drive-through two times a day rather than three times a day, that's a positive intervention, right? Yep. It's not going to get you abs. It's not going to send you to the CrossFit games, right? And I think one of the things that happens for a lot of people and, and this, is, this is a role that, that I feel like supplements are really good at. So when you look at kind of that 80-20 rule, right? A lot of people can get to that place where they're relatively healthy as it relates to nutrition and exercise and things of this nature. But when they look in the mirror, they go, man, I'm doing all this work. And to be truthful, it's just not showing up in the mirror, right? And... I think supplements can really start to make a difference. I think there was, there was two things that you said that I feel really explain supplements well. Supplements are almost insurance, right? Um, where, especially as it relates to protein, it's almost never bad and it's almost always good, right? And so it ends up being sort of this insurance in, in that regard, but as you get farther and farther down your journey, what you find is those little things actually matter a lot. And so what, what you'll often see is that as people blow through, this was, this was certainly my scenario. I've talked about it a million times on, on this podcast and articles and stuff like this, is that I blew through probably 30 to 40 pounds of muscle um, to get to the lowest weight that I was at. Now, at that time, I did not have the understanding that I have now, and I had to work really hard to get that muscle back, right? And so if you think about it, and you're a male, and you're 300 pounds, and you're trying to get to, say, 200 pounds, would an additional 40 pounds of muscle be more favorable or less favorable, right? <laughs> And see, that's where, where 
I wish I had the knowledge that you and I are explaining right now because we are not talking about, you know, meal timing. And if I eat five grams of this and four grams of that, you know, um, that, that all of a sudden I'll have eight pack abs. You know, what you often see is that people get to this place. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use a, a man as an example. I'll actually use my personal example. So I got down to 21% and I believe at 21, well, actually I know the exact number. I was 162 pounds at 21%. And um, so I, so I basically, I, I hate this term. I wish there was another term. I wish there was another way to describe it, but I was skinny fat, right? So, so I did not have enough muscle. And what was happening is I was doing too much cardio you know, not enough specifics as it relates to my nutrition and things of this nature. And so that's when I started consulting PhDs and, and, and things of this nature. And what you sort of see when you start to talk to PhDs is that they're more favorable to supplements than the gurus on the internet that are telling you just to eat chicken and kale, right? And just to limit your foods to roughly a 30 person list. Now, there's cases for elimination diets. Like I said, I am pro meats and veggies, right? And, and I think the majority, and I, I, even though Jason owns the supplement company, I think he would agree with me here. The majority of your food should come from real food, right? Absolutely. But when you are trying to get to an ultimate state of lean, you want to hold on to muscle, and, and I'm, I know I'm dominating this conversation um, and, and I'm definitely going to, to hand things over, but there, there's, a, there's a really important part about that discussion. And that's this, is that if you can get most of the things correct in the beginning, you're actually going to lose less weight, but you'll hold on to more muscle, right? So when you look at, you know, your buddy who went on keto and lost 30 pounds in three days, right? Well, 27 pounds of it was water, three pounds of it was muscle, right? Not a lot of it was fat, right? I mean, I'm sure I, I'm, I'm joking there, but, but maybe it was 25 pounds of water, two pounds of fat, three pounds of muscle. It, it's never as extreme as you want it to be because we all want the pain to be gone as fast as possible. Right. And then when you look at you know, Jason's routine or my routine, um, that's one of the more comforting things about having a lifetime of fitness is that you're not really in any hurry. And you kind of know that any one thing doesn't make all that big of a difference. Right. And I think what ends up happening with this all in or nothing approach is that you literally yo-yo diet, right? Where you're, you're losing 100 pounds and gaining back 105 and then losing 110 and gaining back 125, right? And, and that's really how many people end up obese, right? Many people that are obese, you know, it, I'll, once again, I'll speak for myself because I feel like that's always the safest position, but, you know, I did not have fitness as a priority in my life. And even though I was overconsuming calories to get in that position, and there was a role as it relates to dieting and things of this nature, I, you know, it's hard to not know what I know now 
and wonder, man, the relative small intervention that would have had to happen at 185 pounds would have changed my life, right? Okay, so let's get into some of the products because there's some really interesting things about the product. Actually, you know what? Let's back up for a second. Was there anything that I said that that you you absolutely wanted to comment and 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 get something out there? Absolutely, man. So uh, there's a great book called The Slight Edge. You see a lot of uh, you see a lot of people repost the one percent better every day type thing, and that can that can come down to food, that can come down to caring for your loved ones, your exercise, your reading, your everyday habits, but it it really. Uh, resonated with me because what I used to teach, and it's been a long time since I've been behind the counter working with clients, but you're talking about doctors. They're a lot more pro supplements. And I think that one of the reasons that they are is they see so many people day in and day out. And they realize that some of these extremes are absolutely not reasonable for most of the public to maintain long-term. So my wife and I, we've got four kids, 19, 16, uh, Baby girl's 10 and Lakin is six, right? So if we were to try to maintain a paleo lifestyle, it would be hard. So what we try to do is we try to focus on the slight edge components. What are the things that we can do that's going to keep us from sabotaging our health? And what are the things that we can do that can help to ensure our health? And one of those slight edges is we don't drink pop. You know, we really don't get fast food up. We don't bring in a lot of carb, sugary drinks, stuff like that. But other than that, we eat normal with the exception of what we can do to ensure our, our long-term health, uh, which I believe is, in my opinion, is, is protein. So, you know, my wife is 44, three, four, sorry, babe. <laughs> but I, I take a look at ladies and I used to teach them when, uh, when I was behind the counter at the stores, look, your, your survivability into your 40s, 50s, 60s and beyond is really predicated on the amount of muscle mass and your bone density that you can increase now in your 30s and in your 40s. So if we can increase your protein intake, which it's hard, I get it. Like chewing the meat, chewing, chewing chicken, chewing steak, it's a job to get enough protein. Uh, guys and women, both, it's hard to get enough protein. And what I found is most of these guys are, they'll say, yeah, I'm, I'm bringing in a lot of protein. Cool, chart it. I'm surprised. I'm surprised if anybody ever comes back and says, you know, here's the actual what I'm eating. They're rarely are they getting more than 60 grams of protein, if even that. And, but we all know muscle is made up of protein and amino acids. So that's where muscle comes from. So we have to consume it. And if we can't get it in our diet or we can't get the volume that we need in our diet, then what's the slight edge? What's the one thing that we can do that can help move us towards our long lifetime goal of maintaining overall health, that's increasing protein intake. The easiest way to do that is through a powdered supplement. And so that's the only thing that I'd add to that is, is finding something that is easy to implement. It's like habits, like the hard habits are the ones that, that suck. They're hard to implement day after day after day. Like find a small habit that's gonna take you towards the bigger habit and it's a lot easier to implement. You can you can high five yourself as a bright spot. Yes, I did it. I got my protein shake or I did five push-ups today and I could only do two last week. Those small steps, those slight edges are the things that end up making the long difference. And as like you said, Paul, like no one thing is going to make the difference, but compounded over time, combined with other good habits, it makes all the difference. Yeah, so so 
kind of to pick up off of what you're saying, the um, we my the gym that I go to, they had a, a paleo challenge, and at, at that point, um, you know, I knew that I could eat virtually any way I wanted to, right? Um, this was, you know, after working with, you know, a lot of high level nutrition coaches and things of this nature, and just really having a good understanding of what was going on. And so my whole family, you know, my kids were, were doing it, you know, they were doing CrossFit kids and my wife and I were doing CrossFit. And uh, we decided to participate in the paleo challenge just because uh, we wanted to support all the other members of the gym. And frankly, um, you know, no food is a religion to me, right? Mm-hmm. So, so I didn't have an issue with it. We were probably a weekend and just the limits, you know, were really difficult, especially for my youngest daughter. And, and we were, um, she was eating eggs. She normally eats eggs with ketchup. Well, as you're probably familiar, um, for some reason, that 20 calories of ketchup is just going to make you fat, right? And so it's not on the list. Um, and, and so my daughter couldn't eat um, the ketchup. And, you know, she started um, crying. And I was like, okay, paleo challenge done, right? Because, because, you know, at the end of the day, you know, my family's healthy, right? And, and we, we have kind of the basics. And so we don't we don't have to dumb it down, right, to this, you know, I mean, it makes it sound as if I'm, I'm being really super negative because I think that the people have their heart in the right place, but the, the overall messaging sometimes gets clouded by, by kind of this guru, you know, well, if you do this, you know, you'll achieve optimal health or abs or, or, or whatever. And it's like, right. You know, there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of parts to that story. Right. And so um, I, I didn't feel like that was always fair, but, but my daughter crying for the ketchup. Um, and yes, as a family, we eat uh, ketchup. Well, my wife doesn't, um, but me and my daughters too. Um, okay. So I want to get into some of the products because you actually have some really interesting products and that is hard to say in the supplement industry, right, is typically um, kind of right down the middle of the road. And the two that I think are most interesting, um, the, the one is the, the, the funny story that we were talking about a little bit earlier. So Jason sent me a product um, that was chicken isolate. And if it sounds like the grossest thing possible, um, you're probably right in the wrong setting, right? So I'll give you an example of, of how we ate it, right? Because we wanted to try it a few different ways. And the, and the way that actually ended up being the best wasn't the way that I thought would be the best, right? I cannot, I, Paul, I cannot wait for this story. <laughs> yeah, so, so um, we had chicken and bro- or I'm sorry, not, uh, cheddar cheese and broccoli soup right? So I thought, eh, this would be a good place to, to kind of mix it in. Oh, God. It, it, mm. The soup, it just, it was not <laughs> a good fit, right? Um, and it, it kind of overwhelmed. And I wasn't dosing it really super high, though my wife was like, man, you're, you're being fairly aggressive here. 
Um, I will. That's actually one of the little tricks that I would like everybody to kind of, kind of think about as you're, you know, introducing a supplement. When you're introducing a supplement, you know, for myself, I'm comfortable with it being right or wrong and something tasting bad because I'll just choke it down no matter what, right? Like that is fine by me. What I see happening for people when they try a supplement is they try the full dose that's on the package right out the gate. Mm -hmm. And I just don't feel like that's the best way to do it. I really feel like you do it similar to what Jason was describing with exercise or with, with food or whatever. You just gradually start to add these slight edges up. And then you realize that you actually are fine with, with two scoops. But a lot of the times the people that will end up being fine with two scoops, especially in, in, in regards to a carb supplement, right? So a carb supplement, if you go to, to the direct thing, some people will be perfectly fine. Um, for me, I end up getting kind of um, blood sugar issues, right? So I have to dose it a little bit differently. And so, so kind of keep that in mind. Don't just like, you know, when you get a new supplement, don't just go, oh, they said three, three fish oils, you know, and then take the fish oils and, and all of a sudden, you know, you've got an upset stomach for the next six hours, right? Um, so the ironic part about the chicken isolate, so I was really interested in it because, you know, obviously, um, you know, it's harder to find meat right now. Uh, we, we, we have various meal delivery services and stuff like this. Um, you know, fresh, I use freshly, um, there is a, uh, a food service around, um, in our area where these households cook the food and it just ends up being kind of this small distribution and you get like two kind of larger meals that are family size. So we've been relying a lot on that kind of thing along and then just kind of um, getting what groceries we can because it, you know it, it's starting to loosen up a little bit at the grocery store but, but it, it wasn't Still great tough and so um, so then I, I put basically the same amount on my salad which was like a, a barbecue ranch salad um, and oh my goodness it was so good <laughs> Yeah, I believe that. Yep. Yeah, it was just a great fit because the, the you know, it kind of mixed really well with the, the barbecue. So I would argue that anything that you would probably, and I haven't had, you know, years of experience with this. Jason probably has a lot more because he's told me wacky things that they put this stuff in. Um, <laughs> but if it normally goes well with chicken, it will probably go well with chicken in this instance, right? Um, but you can also dose down. So I think I just probably went a little bit high on the dose with the broccoli cheddar. But at the end of the day, you know, I, I don't think it would be a good fit with broccoli cheddar. So, so don't go, oh, I tried it with broccoli cheddar. This is horrible. It is a great way to get, you know, 20 to 40 grams of protein and it's a meat protein, right? Mm -hmm. um, so, so some people do have dairy issues. They have concerns about dairy, things of this nature. So in that regard, I think it's a, it's a real benefit. But why don't you talk a little bit? Because, I mean, you've talked about putting in cookies and, and all manner oh, of Oh, yeah. Oh, man, it's so good like that. So first off, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to circle around to whey protein versus chicken isolate just so we can kind of 
clear the air for, for listeners who listen to this. Um, if you have any issues with like whey protein or something like that, um, it may be that you've taken an inexpensive way. Um, and if you've taken a good way that you still have issues with, you probably have issues with lactose or whey protein, one of the two. Like my daughter, Lauren, she has, she has a major allergy to whey protein um, and Parmesan for whatever reason. It's weird, but milk, not so much. So whatever, whatever is going on there, I have no idea. But there's different types of protein. Whey isolate isn't going to have as much lactose as like a whey concentrate will. Um, but we started transitioning over to learn more about the chicken isolate because of people that have issues digesting whey protein. And like, like I've said before, and Paul really alluded to it really well, so I want to address that. The reason we put serving sizes on our bottles is we're required by the FDA to say, what is the nutritional content of that? So that is determined by the size of the scoop as well as trying to match a certain amount of servings to the bottle. So just because it says two scoops and eight ounces of water or cold water, that's a general guide. That's not a prescriptive type approach. And I really encourage you to, to find the thing that works for you. And whether it's whey protein, it's okay to put a teaspoon in. Add that, you know, add a teaspoon of whey protein or chicken isolate to your yogurt, to your cereal, to your milk, anything like that. Um, and anything that you can do to increase your overall protein intake, I believe is a win. And that's, that's the case with whey protein and or whatever type of protein you choose. So you don't necessarily have to take a look at the supplement guidelines and the recommended dose as like the gospel. Just know like, okay, well, that's what the company had to put on the label in order to meet the, the standards from the FDA to say this is what is in this amount of product. So I just want to clear the air there. Regarding the chicken isolate, chicken isolate is, is really unique in the fact that it's just chicken meat. And the way I described it to Paul a month or two months ago, or however long it is, is imagine, imagine cooking a chicken breast in the oven with no seasoning and then blending it up. If you were to make a shake out of it, that's what it would taste like. It's not pleasant. However, uh, chicken is one of the most concentrated forms of protein on the market. There's a reason meathead and bodybuilders eat chicken and rice, chicken and rice, is because chicken has 1.8 times the amount of essential amino and branched-chain amino acids as whey isolate, which whey isolate is wicked high in uh, amino acids. So it's basically a concentrated form of protein. Uh, that's one of the reasons I like it. So adding five grams here or a teaspoon there is a really easy hack. So I'm going to talk about your, your soup, maybe, Paul, and I think there, I may have a solution for you. Next time you uh, cook cheese and broccoli soup, add it after it's cooked. So the flavor doesn't cook into it because I found it's the flavor that's extracted into the cooking of it that makes a difference and makes it less pleasant. Um, but to answer your question, how do we use it? We put it in mashed potatoes, um, like chicken and uh, we, we make uh, beef and noodles often for the kids, chicken and noodles often for the kids. So we'll use, <laughs> we'll use Hunger Jack mashed potatoes. So we'll add a, a scoop or two scoops into the mashed potatoes and it absolutely disappears. So that allows us to take something, a staple in our life for our family and say, okay, hey, we're going to eat normal the way that we normally would, but how can we improve the protein content of this meal? And that's how we do it. Um, with, with Lauren's food allergies, we've gotten really creative. Well, Val has, especially with, uh, with no-bake cookies, you know, using gluten-free flour, some recipes that 
that actually are out there on our website now using both bone broth as well as chicken isolate and no bake cookies, uh, chocolate chip using the, the dairy free chocolate chips or whatever they are. They, they turn out great. And it's not, it's not a really high protein content, but it's higher than what it would be without it. And the flavor virtually disappears just like it does. If you add, you take, um, like a really delicious thing to try, uh, take, you know, Greek yogurt, vanilla, Greek yogurt, whatever flavor you like, uh, add a scoop, half a scoop of driven whey cinnamon roll protein to it. It's delicious. You, you mix it up instantly and you're adding that extra half a scoop. You're adding an extra 10, 12 grams of protein, a full scoop, an extra 22 to 23 grams of protein. So, and you compound that over time over three or four meals and you're adding, you know, an extra 10, an extra 20 or an extra 30 grams of protein throughout your day. And before long, you've just hacked your meals to add an extra hundred grams of protein a day, which I think is, I think is, is a reasonable goal and it's achievable through supplements. It's nearly impossible through food. Well, I can't say nearly impossible. It's a job eating, right. a, just eating an work. extra hundred. Yeah. Eating an extra hundred grams of protein. It's hard. It, it's yeah, really it, hard. Yeah. I mean, look at, you know, as a, as a man who, who's trying to get to 175 a day, you know, having, uh, you know, supplements that allow me to get an additional 40, well, now I only have to get to 135. That's a lot easier to plan towards than it would be if I didn't have that for my oatmeal or, or the other things. And, and that's actually sort of interesting, right? Because this is really one-on-one, like I said. Um, most people don't think of supplements that way. They just think of it with a shaker bottle and water or milk or yogurt, like you mentioned earlier. But actually putting this stuff in other stuff like oatmeal, you know, mashed potatoes, like you're saying, that actually sounds great. I mean, you know, like I said, it has a, it's, it's got a chicken flavor. Um, mm -hmm. I, you know, for all the people, if you didn't hear, you know, we do have the ETP code, which is ETP, you get 20% off. That would be a product that honestly, I feel like everybody should try because it's just such a different flavor than the whey protein that it allows you to kind of, like you said, just hack different foods and get, get protein up in, in that regard. I definitely want to get into some of the whey products that you have, but there was two things that you mentioned that I wanted to circle back on. One is food sensitivity tests. Mm -hmm. So your daughter, as an example, um, like you said, has a known intolerance. 10 years from now, she might not. Right. These, are, these are the things with these food sensitivity tests that, that most people don't know is that they take one food sensitivity test and then they take it as their own. We actually did a podcast on this probably four podcasts ago, right? Where we talked about it with uh, Dr. Susan Kleiner and Susan works with Megan Rapino and Sue Bird and all these you know, the New England Patriots, like she works with the best of the best, right? What she has all of those people do is take three tests. If three tests tell you, then it's right, right? If one test tell you it's helpful, but I wouldn't change your life based on one test, right? Now, what Jason's describing is that if every time you give your daughter Parmesan cheese, you know, she ends up with a stomach ache, well, it's an easy fix, right, to not give her Parmesan cheese. Um, but what people don't realize is that 
food sensitivity changes over time, right? Like remember when we were all kids, you know, our palates weren't nearly evolved. Food sensitivity works in a similar way. It changes, it's not static, right? So that's one thing that I wanted to mention. There's another thing, and I'm, I'm fairly certain, you know, you probably sell this as a product and it's a, it's a perfectly fine product to sell. Um, but I don't, I'm interested to hear your feedback because I feel like the people that are selling collagen are mm-hmm. not being completely honest about the value of collagen. So what I, I first of all, I'm assuming you sell it. Is that correct? Well, we, we sell bone broth, uh, which is, uh, it's chicken bone broth, which is, yeah. it's, it's a 60% collagen um, through okay. test. Hydroxyproline is the amino acid that's kind of the marker for that. Okay. Um, but yeah, yeah, go ahead. So, so, before, we so get into, before we get into collagen, though, I do have a question about the, the test. So does yeah. she recommend that testing takes place a three test? right away or does she recommend spacing it out over time because we're we plan on doing it basically every two years what does she recommend well she's recommending three tests from three different places interesting okay Okay. good to know and 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 really even three different methods um because you know for the most part um you know like like you said if you're looking at a test and all three tell you that you're allergic to you know, you're, you're lactose intolerant, then you're pretty much lactose intolerant, right? Right. Um, but but no one test, as an example, I mean, because you see this, I see this, right? People hear this stuff, and then they make these dramatic changes to their life, and it turns out, like, not every nightshade was a problem, right? Right. Um, you know, what, what, you know, I, you can go back and listen to that podcast, Um if you're listening to this right now, but the long, the long and short of why a lot of people recommend against many of these things is they end up being higher calorie. Right. And so if, you know, you're trying to take out potatoes, right. Um, it might not be a insensitivity to, to, to potatoes. That's the issue because there's a lot of people that think, Oh, every time I eat potatoes, you know, makes me bloated. Like, yeah, because potatoes are carbohydrates. Carbohydrates require a certain amount of water to process, and then they have a certain amount of water in them. The, the, the biggest gifts that starches allow for the planet is available energy, right? So as you're consuming that energy, you're not going to always feel super lean, and you're not going to always feel super bloated. What I can tell you is this, is that if you take you know, a supplement carb or eat potatoes and you are, you know, having your weight go up a little bit and then weight comes back normal as you process it, that's what metabolism is, right? Mm-hmm. So, so when you never eat an appropriate amount for your exercise or whatever and you're constantly under eating, yeah, your weight's going to stay the same, but what you're losing in that process is metabolism. Um, okay, so let's get back to collagen for a second because, you know, I, I'm not, it's not that, I'm not anti-collagen, right? Because collagen has a role as it relates to joints and, and, and you know, all these different things. The, the problem is, is that there's 
a lot of supplement companies that are selling it as a, as a complete protein and it's not right. Um, it, there's probably ways that you could do it as a protein that help its protein profile. But mm-hmm. what, what, if you look at the nutrition label on your collagen and it says, you know, 25 grams of protein and 10 calories, well, it's an incomplete protein. You go, well, how do you know that? Well, because I know that protein is four calories for every gram. So you would just multiply that and you would have 100 calories, right? Mm-hmm. So, so you know way more about this than I do. <laughs> what do I have wrong there? Because honestly, what, what, what we're seeing is, is that Brooke, I mean, I'm not, look, I'm not disrespecting Brooke Ince. You know, she's got to feed her family, you know, whatever. And I'm not saying that she understands everything that she's selling and things of this nature. And she's certainly not the only one. Um, but people are seeing her drinking the collagen and they're like, well, she's got abs. So I'm going to drink the collagen and they don't actually understand the product. Right. So can you get, can you just enlighten that a little bit? Cause I, I don't want to go down this monstrous rabbit hole, but it's one of these things that, I think we're going to be talking about whey here in a second. And I want to let everybody know that whey's a little bit better. And this is why it's a little bit better, right? So can you talk so, a little bit about so, collagen? So, yeah, so much better. Well, first off, I, I can't tell you how much I'm enjoying this conversation, Paul. Uh, and I'm, I'm starting to discover why you and I get along so well. It's because um, there's, no, there's no, like, here's the magic bullet, right? And that's whether it's collagen. And so many companies have built their brands multi-million dollar companies by selling on one concept on one product and then just go really deep in that whether it's greens about how that's the end-all be-all or collagen and then misrepresenting the science behind it whether it's you know creating creating a an article that only gives one excerpt that may lend credibility towards the product but completely ignoring the part where they say collagen is an incomplete protein and so your, your math is fascinating to me. I always take a look at it from the standpoint of an incomplete protein means that it's missing one of the vital amino acids in order to complete that protein molecule. Uh, so in that, basically, the, from a nerd standpoint and a meathead standpoint, an incomplete protein is incomplete in as such it, your body will not use it to repair muscle tissue after a workout. It can't. It's incomplete. So using a collagen protein as a muscle recovery is not a good idea. And it should never be marketed as such, period. Is it even fair to call it a collagen protein, right? Because at the end of the day, it's a collagen incomplete protein. And the reason why I think it's important to say that to people is because, I mean, look, when you're trying to consume less calories, we all know that protein is one of these ones that's a little bit difficult to kind of get in. And so if you can, you know, before collagen, you, you know exactly where I'm probably going to go with this, right? Is that BCAAs was the same thing, right? And once again, I'm not arguing against collagen or BCAAs. I think both of them are actually really good insurance for when you are in a deficit and you're 
trying to go lower calorie um, and you're trying to ensure that you are addressing some of the deficiencies that you have, BCAAs and collagen can fill a role, but, but that's not why people are taking it. They're taking right, it's, it, it's different. They're taking it because the calorie point is lower and they see that it's 25 protein and the company's not completely honest about that, right? And we're seeing this, by the way, a lot with immunity, right? Everybody's selling their yep. product as immunity. Let me just tell you a little secret about immunity that would, you know, is just the basics, right? If you're under eating and you're sleeping five hours a night as a result of you under eating, it doesn't matter how many supplemented greens that you eat, right? You're way better off eating an adequate amount for what you do and sleeping regularly. That's going to affect your immunity way better than, you know, taking, you know, three green pills a day, right? And so, you know, I, I do feel like, you know, one of the things that we try to do with, with our site, with this information, is just to expose people to something that, you know, they kind of knew they were being snowed, right? They kind of knew they were being fooled in the first place. <laughs> right. And, and so, so saying it actually makes them feel a little bit better because, you know, if you're, let's say, a female, and you're kind of skinny fat and you're doing all of this resistance training work and you've been on every single diet from paleo to keto to carnivore to, you know, whatever it is, and you just never quite get there, right? Part of the reason why you're not getting there is because you're actually more misinformed than you are informed. And the problem with being informed is it's kind of inconvenient, Right. I mean, whey protein is better for you because it has more calories. That's what makes it a complete protein, right? But the calories from a whey protein, as an example, from a thermogenic standpoint where you're basically looking at how my metabolism, you know, is going to, to uptake is going to be favorable when you add 100 um, calories from whey protein, right? Yep. So um, I don't know what just happened with my um, my AirPods, but I, I had like a little bit of adjustment. All right. So we don't need to spend too much time. It sounds like we agree with it, but but look at the nutrition label, right? If you multiply by four the grams of of protein, right, and it doesn't equal, you know. 20 grams would equal 80, 25 grams would be equal 100. If it doesn't equal that, then it isn't incomplete protein, right? right? So, so you got to be aware of that kind of thing. All right. So you have another really interesting product that, that honestly, I love so much, right? And it's your, it's your post-workout product. product. Post-wad. Yeah, post-wad. This is what makes his post-wad product really good. And once again, it's because it's got calories, right? Um, <laughs> is, that, is that not only does it have whey protein, no, it doesn't have an extreme amount of whey protein because it's not, you know, that there's, there's, you know, other whey proteins that are actually going to have a little bit more, a little better profile. What, what the post-WAD is actually meant to do 
is actually allow your glycogen stores to recover, right? And allow you to basically um, improve at exercise as you go and kind of get that, you know, slight edge that Jason was talking about earlier. But it also has another thing that really is the, the, the best researched supplement on the planet, right? And it's creatine. And, you know, as someone who's very familiar with some of the people that first brought creatine to the market, what I can tell you for a fact about creatine is that it benefits from insulin. So the carbohydrates that are in the post-wide product are going to be favorable. There's an insulinogenic effect from the whey protein that's going to be favorable. And when you look at creatine, here's the one thing that you want to focus on is saturation, right? If you take creatine on any one given day, you're not going to really notice that big of a difference one way or the other. But over time, as you saturate your muscle with that small amount of creatine, what you see is that you're going to recover better. You're going to get, instead of six reps, you're going to get eight reps. And all of these things matter over time. Every person listening to this is trying to detox their way to fat loss or, or over cardio or under eat drastically, you're going to get a better result from all these little small edges over time than you ever will from any drastic edge, right? I don't see many people succeeding that way, but I see a lot of people that now have fitness in their life and, and, and they've moved from say walking, you know, which by the way, I'm pro walking, right? Walking is still one of the biggest tools in my arsenal, but I moved from walking to eventually, you know, resistance training and that can be body weight but talk a little bit about muscle get strong build muscle get strong well you know i do think that there's a lot of people that struggle with that build muscle part right because they're like i don't need to build muscle i need to lose fat well guess what muscle is not fat so if you hold on to muscle you know it really matters but talk a little bit about your post-wide product because i think a lot of people look at the product and go why are there carbs in this? I don't want carbs, <laughs> right? And, and yep. you absolutely, you know, if it, we actually did um, a podcast with uh, Gil Tal from um, Next Level Dietetics last week, right? And he talked about insulin is the most anabolic hormone in your body, right? And that the product that we're describing right now, just tell us, why it's made that way because frankly it's genius well thank you so actually um this is something with with the COVID crisis we didn't get a chance to launch the new formula of this because we've been too busy dealing with with life and everything else but postwad is a product it's one of our original products and it been remained unchanged for six years and we've recently changed it uh and we've added two new flavors so it comes in chocolate reward, chocolate peanut butter prize, watermelon, and uh, strawberry smash, I think is the name of it. Um, All three mix really well. Uh, But the formula itself as it sits is 20 grams of isolate and 20 grams of dextrose. On top of that, we added an extra five grams of branched chain amino acids, which are 
are important for turning on mTOR, uh, protein synthesis, which is your body's ability to take the protein you just ingested and uh, repair muscle, basically. Uh, two and a half grams of creatine, which as you said, so I'm going to share a story real quick with creatine. And this is something that I used to, when I was teaching uh, kids and uh, parents about creatine is if you think about creatine as water uh, and every time you create an explosive movement, whether you're swinging a golf club or throwing a heavy weight, you're spilling a little bit of that water and your ability to exert force over time really comes down to how much water is in that cup or in this uh, story creatine. So if you can keep that water saturated, if you can keep that, those creatine levels saturated in your body, then your ability to exert force over time is higher. So getting strong, building muscle, that's, that's, one of the, that's one of the most impactful stories that was ever shared with me about creatine, to be able to visualize having a creatine and then, and then keeping it in your system and adding it throughout the day. So adding two and a half grams of creatine after a workout is really important. Studies validate, yes, it does help with strength. Yes, it does help with recovery. So if people ask me, should I take creatine pre or post-workout? I just say yes. <laughs> so Because it's, so it's all the above. See- just to interrupt for just a second, because we did a podcast with, with Lane Norton. This was years ago and still one of the best podcasts we've ever done. Um, he was talking about um, creatine and people saying that creatine bloats them. And it, he just described it so well. I mean, actually, I, I really liked your description as well. And I'll be able to take that to clients as we go also. Um, but he brought up such a great point about the bloating related to creatine. He said, if you want to know if your creatine is working or not, does it bloat you? Right. And what I think happens is people kind of get in their head about, you know, water retention and things of this nature. And I'm not suggesting that to women as an example, water retention isn't a big, big um, thing because it certainly can be. But what I can tell you related to water retention and creatine is that the more you lift, the more you move things of this nature, the better the absorption is, right? Mm -hmm. And so when we talk about bloating in general, we have to talk about whether or not the bloating turned into muscle or whether or not it just ended up staying as water or turned into fat, right? And I I think at the end of the day, we all know that a hydrated muscle is more useful muscle and therefore having a little bit of bloating or tolerating a little bit of bloating, because what happens is, I think you probably see this. I certainly do is that you have a woman and you're saying to them, Hey, you should try creatine. And then they try creatine and their weight goes up two pounds over the five days. And then they're done with their creatine. Right. It's like, well, wait a second, you know, allow for, 15 to 30 days and allow for the way that you feel, the way that you work out, the reps that you're doing. And then ultimately the leanness that you will see right over that 30 day period. So don't make a big adjustment just because you're, 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 there, there, there is this world out there, right? And certainly you deal with it from a supplement standpoint but I deal with it in a much bigger way with nutrition. Anything that makes you gain weight, it's off the table, right? This is the reason why all that collagen nonsense happens and why people are 
you know, super low carb all the time and all these different things, because what do those things do? They keep water out of the cell. Well, is the cell more useful with water or less useful? Right, right. Right. And so, so people are, are being, you know, they're just open to being misinformed because they want the scale to go one way. You know, one of the biggest things that we're able to do, and, and if you ask any each performer, they will tell you that the way that we teach people for that weight is going to fluctuate is a game changer, right? Because, because if you know that weight's going to fluctuate, but over time it, it gradually goes down, that's better than just pulling all the water out of your body and then just plateauing for three years, right? And so when you look at having more tools on the table and I really, you know, I mean, I want to keep it, you know, on to supplements, but supplements in a lot of ways are energy, right? Especially as it relates to kind of the products that we're talking about right now, whether it be the chicken isolate or the, or the wads or really even kind of any of your pre-wad stuff that might not have as much carbohydrate it's still going to allow for more repair of the muscle, better, you know, I, I, like, I forgot about the BCAAs. That's a great example of what you described, right? The average person is not going to have any idea what mTOR is, just the way that Jason described it is really well. It helps in repair of muscle, right? And so I think when you look at what the end goal is for people, right? And we can start to kind of wind things down because I know, you know, I, I've been worried this whole time, but it's such a, it's such an important, <laughs> it's such an important part for people to understand. Um, when you are using any kind of nutrition protocol, okay, the thing that drives me crazy about Noom right now, right? So the, Noom has ads. Um, it's, it's, Everywhere. I almost never mention a competitor. It doesn't matter if I mention them or not. They're everywhere. They're on NPR. They're, you know, all these, all these other places. It really bothers me that they're openly selling against exercise. And I'm going to tell you why. Because with food, you can go farther, right? With exercise, then you can go just pulling down food, right? And Absolutely. Noom is basically repackaging a lot of bad diets, right? I love their habit stuff, right? But it's not rocket science, right? The habit of making your food so that you can have it prepared, you know, let's be honest, you know, we all kind of knew that before Noom told us or sent <laughs> us a reminder, right? So, so they're kind of putting it out there that this, this magical psychological thing. The one thing that happens for Noom is that they deal with a lot of clients that don't often diet, right? If you want to diet the best, you know, the best results are going to come from people that diet the least, right? The people that diet the most are always going to be the ones that struggle. But what you find with the people that are actually more seasoned dieters or more understanding of, of these types of things is that with, uh, with exercise, they have a better chance of succeeding long-term. Right. And then with some of the slight edges that you can get with, with supplements, it takes it even that much farther. And so, so if you think Noom is some kind of rocket science because some average dude said that he lost 20 pounds, 
you know, I mean, you know, that's great for that person, right? But he didn't solve, you know, I remember when I first started having success eating more, right, while, um, while exercising, and I thought that I solved the world's biggest problem, right? Turns out, I just did not understand, you know, some really basic shit, right? <laughs> right. And, and, and so, you know, I, I really think that as we kind of, kind of end this up, I just want to give you kind of the last word there because, you know, I, I really feel like a lot of what we talked about is how to use moving in food to your advantage to get optimal results over time. And so when you look at any kind of program that's selling you against exercise, man, oh, run, 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 as fast dude, as possible. Run. Yeah. All right. So you get the final word there. What, um, what do you think is, is, is kind of the last thing that would button all this up? You know, I think just keeping it simple, find, find things that can work within your life, within your family's life that can move you towards your goal, not, not the silver bullet. And that's why, that's why I think that supplements are just that they are a supplement to a good, healthy diet, a good lifestyle. And they allow you to inch closer to that over time and compound it over time. They make a massive difference. One two pound bottle, what 30 scoops of whey protein isn't going to make much difference at all, but it is over time. So stick to it, find a way to implement them into your diet, find something that you both enjoy drinking and taking because it not, it doesn't matter if it's good for you. If a two pound jug of protein that tastes like crap because it's all natural versus something that's sweeter that your palate enjoys more, go with, go with, go with the sweeter, go with something that you can implement into your life day after day after day. And then find a way to implement that also for your family. Um, I'm a big proponent of uh, whey protein for, for kids. Um, adding that, like that's our kids' chocolate milk instead of Nestle Quick. And, you know, you take a glass of milk and you add an extra 20 to 25 grams of protein. Over time, that makes a huge difference. And the, uh, I mean, that's, that's it, man. That's a, I mean, that is, that is people ask me about that all the time. What's the one thing. And that, that'll be the thing that I use now because, you know, if you look at all of us, right, we're just trying to hold on to what we have and maybe gradually build some as we go. Right. A kid has everything. You know, I always joke that Sylvester Stallone has to pay you a hundred thousand dollars a month to, to, to buy what every 15 year old just has naturally. Right. <laughs> and, and, you know, so when you add in some, some optimization, you know, I mean, if you look at, if you look at all these, these kids, they're just always running. Right. You add some oh. protein and some resistance training to their routine and they're going to have a much better result than you and I would with a similar type protocol, just because they have everything kind of working towards their advantage. So that is a great um, great thing to recommend to people. All right. Really appreciate you doing this. I think, it, it, you know, there's, there's a lot of this really super high level stuff that, that, that's just confuses people. So I think having like these break it down one-on-one -on -one type of discussions really can make a big difference. So 
I don't think you ever mentioned your website. Um, so it's just www.drivennutrition.com, right? And like yep. I said, you can use the the ETP website or ETP bonus code to get twenty percent. And mm -hmm. the one thing that you didn't mention, oh, high quality here. Um, right. The everyone wants to try your vanillas and your chocolates and stuff like this because that's what they've been <laughs> using forever. I'm telling right. you, try the berry stuff. Yeah. Oh, try so this. good. It's so good. It's so good. It doesn't sound like it would be good, but but it really is. And you know what? You kind of need that little bit of adjustment in flavor, right? Because, you know, chocolate gets a little dull after a while, right? Um, yep. So try out all the, all the different things, but definitely try some of those berry flavors because even though it might not sound like, you know, it would be the, the right thing, um, it is super, super tasty. Um, and so I appreciate you being here and I hope you have a great weekend and, you know, thanks for all the great information. Oh, Paul, it was an, it was an absolute pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Um, I can't tell you how much I enjoyed this conversation. Yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. The, uh, I, I think it's always nice to be able to um, just, you know, I think as fitness professionals, we sort of forget, kind of the, the fundamentals that we all know that are actually kind of breathtaking and allowed us to get us where we are now. Right. Right. So, yep, exactly. all right. Well, you and your family have a great holiday and we'll talk to you later. Bye now. You too, my friend.